Welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you've learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. Last Sunday, we had this great worship song. I, I was really into it, and it had this amazing line in it. I, I'm down here in the front row worshiping next to my son, and the song is all about how God will, will never let you down. And I, I'm really into that song, and I, I'm thinking about how my Father in Heaven will never let me down. And, and then I'm also thinking, you know, I, I'm not a perfect father. There's going to be times where I'm going to let my son down, and he's right there, he's worshiping. And, and I just felt like, okay, this is a great time to impart some truth to my son. And, and I put my arm around him in the middle of the song, and I, I leaned over to him, and I said, hey, hey Jalen, uh, you know, God is perfect. He'll never let you down, but I will let you down, just so you know. Like, I'll let you down, but God never will. And I, I, was, I was feeling really good about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm, I'm manning up. I'm being a good dad here. I'm imparting truth to him. I'm being authentic and real that I'm going to fail, and I'm going to make mistakes and let him down, but God won't. I, f- I felt really good about that little quick moment, you know, and, and, and he looks up at me, like, no time to even process, just gut reaction with this smirk on his face like only a sixth grader can deliver. And he looks up at me, he's like, I know, Dad, you already have. <laughs> and it's like he's thinking I got one on Dad. I just slipped it right in there, and he did. And I was thinking, this was what it's like to raise a middle schooler. Don't high-five him. That ain't right. <laughs> I'm just playing. But, you know, we, we've all experienced letdown, haven't we? we? We all know what it's like to be let down by someone. Maybe it's an ex, maybe a, a former best friend, maybe a parent. It hurts when you're let down, and it can be significant, but I think probably what's more the, the more common experience when it comes to letdowns is, is the times when we let down others, when, when we let down ourselves, and ultimately when we let down God. We, we probably are even more familiar with letdowns from that perspective because we've so often let others down, and we, we don't intend to, but it's a part of our lives, and we, we let ourselves down. And, and that experience of a letdown is what we want to talk about a little bit today because what's underneath that, what's, what keeps us from experiencing the sting of regret, knowing that, that I've let someone down, it's a, there's a character quality there. And, and, you, and you know, it hurts when someone lets us down, but I think it, it hurts a little worse when we let someone else down because I can't control if you let me down. If, if you let me down, I, 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 that's your decision. I, I can't control that, but, but I'm always aware of the fact that if I let you down, that it's, it's my bad. I'm responsible. I'm the one that did it. I, I could have done something different. If I let myself down, if I have a, a commitment, a goal, if there's something I'm trying to change and I, I don't follow through, I, I don't complete what I've committed to, then, then, then that's on me. And that, that sometimes almost hurts worse. 
And, and so what's underneath that, how can I change that? How can I become the kind of person that is the follow-through, that has commitment, that has faithfulness? You know, the Bible talks a lot about this character quality of faithfulness. You know, that first of all, that God is faithful, that he's never going to let us down, that he's, he's always going to be dependable. But then people who follow him and become like him, we take on the attribute and we, we strive to become more faithful. And so today we're going we're gonna to talk about what it looks like to become more of a faithful person. As we're in this series and we're studying the, the character qualities of what it looks like uh, in someone's life who follows Jesus, we're going to talk about becoming more faithful. But before we can get into the how to live it out, we got to begin with step one, which is to admit that I'm an unfaithful person. Because here's the thing, you could, you could go out in the world and you can find some help on how to become more disciplined and consistent and how to follow through and be faithful. I mean, you, you could probably find some, some secular help and, 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 you know, polish some things up and improve some things on your own. But in, in Genesis chapter 6, when, when God created the world, very quickly it started to spiral downward and out of control as sin entered the world and people started to abandon their faith and they abandoned God and, and, and Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 shows us what it looks like to try to live without God, to, to try to do it on your own. And it says this in Genesis 6, 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And that's, that's where it had spiraled down to from perfection of creation, sin entered the world, and then it eventually come to this place. And here's my point. Don't, don't think that you could just go out and like, I'm just going to work on it. It's, it's about my work. I'm just going to get better at following through and whatever I commit to and being consistent. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful. I'm going to do it because the problem is underneath the surface, there's an issue. You know, like you can go out and get a, a new computer, right? And, you, and it can look great, like the casing can look nice, and it's got a nice new screen and a nice key, keypad, and everything looks good on the outside. But, but if it has a virus, if it has a computer virus on the inside, and there's a, there's a software that's malfunctioned somewhere inside of the brain of this computer, everything can look great on the outside, but on the inside, if there's a corrupt file, it's, it's going to ruin the whole experience, the way it processes, Bible teaches us real clearly that there's a corrupt sin virus inside of us that's cancerous and it's called sin. And we were all born into it and it's in our human nature and that on our own, left to our own, we will as a human race spiral to that, to the point where that it's only evil all the time and we, we abandon the things that really matter. And, and, and here's the thing, until you deal with step one, which is acknowledging I have an unfaithfulness issue, which is really under that a sin issue, I have a problem, I can't fix it on my own, I need the power and strength of God, until I come to that place and I bow my knee to him, and until I come to that point, then I can only polish things up on the outside and make it look good. There, there's a virus that needs to be taken care of. Now, now many of us in this room have, have made that step. We've taken a step to God, and we've confessed, and we said, I'm a sinner. I need your salvation. I need your grace, God, and, and he's so faithful to give it to us, and, and when we've experienced that forgiveness. And so, so from that point on, we can still struggle with being faithful like he's faithful, and so we're going to talk about that today. How can we do that? But maybe there's some in the room that you've never settled that, that first, most important step of how to, to, to experience the, the forgiveness of a faithful God. And, and if you've never dealt with that sin issue that's underneath the surface, then all this other stuff we can talk about, you might make some steps forward, but you're going to find yourself right back to step one. You're going to find yourself right back at home plate. So, so let, let's, let, let's be aware of that as we move forward. And maybe today's your day, and I'll give you an opportunity at the end today. You say, man, I'm ready to take a step. I need to come home, and, and I need to settle that issue. 
But for many of us, we, we've settled that issue and we know who's the Lord of our life, but, but now we struggle with, well, I, I'm trying to make commitments to God. I'm trying to grow spiritually. It might be a spiritual discipline. It might be growth in my marriage. It, it, it might be some aspiration that I have in my life. And what happens is I, I, I pick it and I say, yes, that's what I'm going to do. But then I have a hard time sticking, sticking it, right? I, I, don't, I don't finish what I start. I have a great beginning and then the ending never turns out how I imagine it. And underneath a lot of that is a character quality of faithfulness, faithfulness. And so how can I live a faithful life? Because when I'm not faithful, it really stops the momentum in my life. Most importantly, the spiritual momentum, the, the momentum of growth in my life, or, or maybe progress in a key relationship or something I'm trying to change, maybe an old habit that I'm trying to let go of, a new habit that I'm trying to begin. If I don't have faithfulness and follow through, then, then I'm gonna struggle to really live it out. And, and here's what's gonna happen. My dreams my progress, it's gonna get hijacked and pulled off course and I'll never reach the potential that God is pulling me toward. So this area of faithfulness is super critical in all of our lives and we all have to wrestle with it. We've been looking at a different character every week to learn the character of a man or woman of God and this week we're gonna look at a couple guys specifically who had such great character that we can learn from and they weren't perfect guys but, but there's so much we can learn from them and, and one of those is Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 6, we read about an honorable Christian man with great character living in a secular nation. It says in verse 1 of Daniel 6, that it pleased king, the king Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So he was going to elevate him above his peers. They didn't like that. Verse 4, at this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But listen, they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. That's amazing. Because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So, Ben, that's, that's some heat. We talked about standing in the fire uh, a few weeks ago with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, imagine this, this fire. You have adversaries who are trying to pull you back. They're trying to look into your life, digging, trying to find something in you that's like a little bit of a gray area, something shady going on, some area where you've been negligent. It says they could find nothing. Yeah, I wonder how hard would someone have to look into your life before they would find a lack of character? How deep would someone need to dig into our lives before they would find something that could be brought to the attention of the king and say, hey, they're, they're not worthy of this position. See, he was faithful. He had character. And, and, I, and I love that. I love that. But I, what I find is that a lot of us, we can get, we can so easily get stuck. We can drift off course of where we know we should be, and we can easily get stuck because we dismiss the little things. See, they were looking for something even little that they could exaggerate and make a deal. They couldn't find anything. Sometimes we overlook the, the small stuff that makes a big difference in the long run. You know, I, I try to have a, a habit, and I've done it for quite a few years, of, of working out on a regular basis. Um, 
I've done this for quite a while. Basketball is my main go-to and, and some other things. And I, I try to moderate my eating and, and try to be healthy. I'm not a fitness guru at all. I'll admit that. I'm not the world's healthiest eater. But I, I try, and I think I've done a decent job. But as I came into this new year, uh, it got a little crazy as, as we've been praying for our first few years of the church to get a, our own building, and we got the keys, and we knew that we had a, a short timeline, and we we're going to do a lot of the work ourselves. And so we started renovating this space with dozens of you guys who were here, and we were renovating this whole building, the lobby, outside, the second floor, all the stuff that it just, it was a, a tremendous amount of effort. And we were living here, and we've kind of had to neglect a lot of other things in our life to make it possible and to get in. And, and you know, so we were just working hard, and then we had the big run-up to grand opening, and then we had Easter Sunday, and we had Mother's Day. We just had a baptism out at the Clearwater Beach. And so there's so much going on. And, and someone had posted a picture on, on Facebook. And it was so cool. It was a picture of, of the baptism we just did. And, and I looked at it, and I was amazed. I was like, that is so cool. I looked, and I saw the, the sunset at Clearwater Beach. So cool. I looked, and I saw these, all these people that are being baptized in that picture. I'm like, man, that's so incredible. They're taking that step. And I looked, and I saw myself in the side of the picture. And I, I looked over there, and I'm like, wait a second. What, what is that? That's a belly. That's a, I've never had it. That's a belly. And I'm, I'm a freaking out like, no. And then I thought about, man, I, well, I haven't, I have a course. I've let it drift. I haven't been working out for months. I haven't been eating right. I know I haven't been eating right. And I just, I excuse. It's not a big deal. A few more cookies, a few more chips. Nah, I'll catch up in April, May, June. And, and I just let it drift. You know what I'm saying? You've done that right in some area. And I let it drift and all of a sudden it's staring me right in my face. Like, yeah, it's not posture. Like someone told me after the first service, it's just your posture. No, it was not. It's not posture. It's a, like you, you know what happens when you drift, right? You feel it. You know it. And, and, and we all can do that, right? We, we, it's like, it's not a big deal. That's all. I got, a, I got a reason. I have an excuse. I always have an excuse for the things I do that I shouldn't do. I don't know about you, but I, what happens is I start to dismiss something that is a big deal, and I say it's not a big deal. And I put it this way in your teaching notes. Don't dismiss the drifting. When it comes to your, your spiritual life and your character especially, listen, don't dismiss the drifting. Well, I'm not reading my Bible like I used to. I'm kind of missing worship and, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's an important relationship. Well, we used to pray together and now it's kind of, you've just been busy. So easily you can excuse yourself and exempt yourself right into a problem that will explode in your life. And a lot of times, those little inconsistencies become big problems for us when we overlook them. And what's under, under that is that there's an issue of faithfulness and follow-through and discipline. And the Bible tells us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. It's one of the things that God wants for us. And, and if you want to have, a lot of us have aspirations in our life. We want to be a better parent or friend or spouse. Maybe we, we do want to take care of the bodies that God has given us so we have energy and health to bring to our lives. And, it, and so we have goals, with whether it's exercise or eating right. Or, or maybe it's caring for an important responsibility or, or managing our home well. Or, or maybe it's letting go of something bad in our life that's toxic or, or taking hold of a new discipline, maybe a spiritual discipline. But, but my point is we all get these goals, and, and it's very easy to begin them. But to finish well, that's where the challenge is, and that's where we come up against the unfaithfulness that, that can rear its head in our life. And, and what happens is it kills the momentum. And we all could share, I could share painful stories from my own life, and I know you have yours too, but times where I, I got off to a rocket start, and I was so excited about the momentum and some area of my life that I was improving and I was growing in, and I was so excited about it. 
But then over time, that drift happened. Just like your car can get out of alignment, and I got off alignment. It was just a little bit at first, but then when it was multiplied over many days and months and years, I realized that I was not where I wanted to be. I did not end up where I intended to go. And, and that can happen. And, and, you know, I heard it said this way, that breakdown, breakdown in our lives, whether it's emotional breakdown, physical breakdown, financial breakdown, spiritual breakdown, breakdown in our, our lives happens in two ways. One, it happens slowly, and then two, it happens all of a sudden. And breakthrough happens the same way, by the way. Slowly, and then all of a sudden. See, it's, it's slowly breaking down on us, and, and we don't recognize it, but then all of a sudden, and we'll use that, that phrase, out of nowhere, it just happened overnight, and it wasn't really overnight. It was building. The unfaithfulness was there. The inconsistency was there. The lack of discipline was there, and then all of a sudden, there was a breakdown, and how did my marriage get to this place? How did this, how did this, this thing happen in my life? What, what happened was it wasn't just a, a, a slow, slow, slow process and then it stayed that way. No, it's slow, slow, slow drift, and then all of a sudden it blew up. And, and, and the breakthrough in our life can do the same thing. We can have this slow, slow, slow progress, and then all of a sudden people are like, how did that happen? That was incredible. It, overnight it just, no, it wasn't. It was backed by years of consistency and discipline and faithfulness, and then, and then and someone experienced something exceptional. See, here's the point. You can drift one way or the other. You, you, can, you can drift toward destruction, or you can drift toward your dreams. But it's going to happen one day at a time as you're faithful and as you honor God. You know, I think this is interesting here in Daniel 6 because it says that they looked. And I, I wouldn't want to have somebody just like turning over every rock in my life saying, Where, where's, the, where's the inconsistency in you? But imagine that. That's what they're doing. They're looking for something, some little flaw that they can exaggerate and elevate. But it says that they could find none. Jump down to verse 10. So they're trying to disqualify Daniel, but they can't. And so they get the king to issue a, a decree. They appeal to his pride, and they say, King, we, you're so great. For this period of time, no one should pray to anybody except to you, O king. He's like, that's a good idea. Let's, let's, let's make that official. And he put his stamp on it, which can't be repealed. And Daniel hears about this in verse 10. It says, when he learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God. Listen to this. This is powerful. Just as he had done before. These men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So, so Daniel's such a faithful man. Even when he hears of this decree that you can't pray to anybody except for the king for this period of time, he decides that he's going to honor God no matter what, and he's going to be faithful. Now, now, before I can go on and talk more about this story and how it applies to us, let me tell you the rest of the story so you know where it's going. Daniel, he decides to continue to pray to his God. They spot him. They, they tell the king. The king loves Daniel, of course, so he tries to think of a way all day long until sunset, tries to think of a way that he can get out of this. But short of having a revolt in his kingdom and them trying to overthrow him because he changed what is the laws of their land to save Daniel— like, he couldn't do it. So he, he said, my hands are tied, I can't. And so he allows them, and they take Daniel, and they throw him into a pit of lions. God supernaturally intervenes, and he shuts the mouths of the lions all night long. And so Daniel's down there, imagine, stuck in this pit all night with these ferocious lions around him, but they're not devouring him like they normally would do. 
And, and God saves him. In the morning, the, the king couldn't sleep all night. He comes to the pit and he says, Daniel, has your God saved you? Are you still alive? And Daniel answers, miracle of all miracles. Like, hey, king, I'm still here. You got any breakfast up there? <laughs> Let's go. And, and he pulls him out, right? And, he sa- and he's saved. And then the king takes all those wicked officials who set up Daniel He throws them and their families into this pit. And and before they even touch the ground, it says the lions devoured them. The king then issues a decree throughout the whole land and says, worship the Lord and honor the Lord of Daniel. Honor his God, the God who is able to save. And so the name of the Lord travels all throughout the land in an incredible and unprecedented way because of the faithfulness of Daniel. But let's go back to two verses here. I think we can learn a lot from. There's some powerful life lessons here in verse 10 and 11. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So Daniel had a disciplined, consistent pattern in his life to go and kneel down. He opened the windows, looked out toward the city, and I imagine, we don't know, we don't have his, repair, his prayer recorded there, what he would always say, but he he. I imagine prayed for what he saw. That's probably why he was there over the window, looking up to the skies, thanking God for who he is, praising him, and then looking out on the city and saying, God, allow me to be used in this position to influence these people so that they can follow you and live for you. So he's, he's probably begging God to, to make an impact on all these lives, having no idea how God's gonna eventually do that in a spectacular way, but he's, he's being faithful every day, three times a day, he's there in that spot. You know, when I teach our growth class, I always tell people to pick a time, a place, and a plan for their daily time with God because a lot of people don't make a plan. They just think it's gonna happen. But every important endeavor in our life, every important meeting that we ever have, whether it's with a career or a hobby or anything, we always pick a time. Let's meet here. We have a place and we have a plan. We kind of know what we're gonna do and, and do the same thing with God. That's your most important meeting. And David or Daniel, he had his place he had a time, he picked his, he picked his place, and he had a plan. He was connecting with God, and every day he would do that. He was consistent in that. And, and, and some people, they, they give up and they're inconsistent when, when things get hard, but look at Daniel. When, when they said, hey, if you pray to anyone other than God, you're going to be thrown in this den of lions, I don't know about you, but I would have been real tempted when I walked up to my prayer time and I started opening that window because I know I still need to pray. That's more important what God says and what the king says, so I, I got to keep praying. But I opened the window. I'm thinking, you know, why don't we just pray with the windows shut today, you know? Why don't we, well, maybe we'll open the windows, but maybe we'll go over here by the bed. Maybe we'll kneel on the other side of the bed. Why, let's just go in the closet, you know, it's like a little prayer closet over here. Nobody needs to know. This is just between me and God, right? It's, it's not that big of a deal. Here's what we do. God understands, right? Don't, haven't you done this before? God knows my reasons. God, God gets me. I, I, I know I should do this, but I have a good reason for not doing what I've always done. And that's how the devil gets us. One little tweak, one little change, and, and, and we, we go from consistent to inconsistent overnight because it's just a little compromise. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody will notice. God knows why I'm, I'm still going to pray. I still, I still, I'm still, I still believe. I know I'm not like worshiping. I know I'm not praying. I'm not reading the Bible. But God knows. He knows my heart. Like we do this all the time. But when adversity comes, when challenges come in our life, that, that's a test to show us where our character is. In fact, I title today's message every once in a while. Because I, I think that what we do is we say, well, I'm a faithful person every once in a while. And, and that's how we live, right? Like, like we're, we're consistent. We're faithful every once in a while. 
but, but you're not really faithful if it's just every once in a while, right? It has to be all the time. And, 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 and Daniel, three times a day, every day, through the good days and the bad days, when he felt like it and when he didn't, listen, some of us are following God based on our feelings and not on our faith. And so we make tremendous progress, and then we get sucked right back, and the devil wins every time this happens because we're, we're based on our feelings. I feel like it. I feel good about my faith. I feel good. And it's not about how we feel. God made your feelings, but you don't follow God on your feelings. You follow him in faith and in faithfulness. See, faith is the core of faithfulness, but then faithfulness is the extension of your faith. You begin with faith, and then you're faithful. You fulfill your faith in God on a consistent basis. And I'll put it this way in your notes. Adversity surfaces my consistency and my character. How do I know if I'm faithful, Brandon? I want to be faithful, but how do I know if I'm there yet? Well, you'll know when, when the hard times come. You know, God doesn't cause all the, the problems in our life. You know, that's sin and the devil's behind almost all the problems in our, our lives. But, but listen, God allows some things to happen, some trials, so that our faith can be refined and displayed. And how do I know what's the litmus test of where I'm at when it comes to faithfulness? I'll tell you where it's at. It's, it's when adversity hits. That's when I know where I stand because it's then that my consistency and my character is shown. See, once a storm hits, I've already built the boat that's going to get me through that storm. Once the storm comes, if my, my ship has leaks in it, if it's got holes in it, it's too late to build a new boat. I've already constructed over the last weeks and months and years the ship that I have to get through that storm. And so when the, when the storm comes, it just shows me my character. It shows me my consistency. It lets me know whether I built an ark or whether I got a little rowboat with a, a loose panel on the bottom. See, I know when I hit in the storm what kind of character I have. It's a test. And I hope that you're not in a storm right now. And if you are, we all pray for you and hope that you get through that well. But, but you know that, that there's going to be other storms, right? And we all know that even if we're not in a storm as calm seas right now, there's going to there's gonna be high waves at some point. We're going to go through storms. So what are you building today that's going to get you through the storm that you're going to have to face tomorrow? When it comes to your character, when it comes to your faith and your faithfulness before God, what are you building today? What's it look like today? If we could peel back the layers and look and dig, what would we find? See, adversity will, will let you know where you stand when it comes to faithfulness. If I could have more discipline in my life and more character, more, more consistency, I think I could become more of who God wants me to be. I think I could fulfill all that God wants me to live out in him through my relationships and ministry and, and who he wants me to become as a man of God. I think I, if I had more, even more faithfulness, more discipline, more character, I think God could do even more in my life, but it's gonna cost me to get there and it's gonna cost you to get there because God does have more for you. There's more he wants to do in your life, but it's gonna cost you. And one person said, the cost of good habits are in the present, but the cost of bad habits are in the future. So it's not a question of, are you going to pay? It's when do you want to pay? Do you want to pay now, or do you want to pay later? Because you can pay now, because it's hard work to be disciplined and be consistent and be faithful, because you might not feel like it. You might not feel like doing the right thing now, and everybody else might be doing the wrong thing, and it seems like the, the current's pulling you that way. And so there's a cost to say, no, I'm, everybody else is bowing to the king. I'm bowing to my king, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor him, and I'm going to be consistent with him every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in his presence and his word. Like, this matters. This is going to cost me now. It's going to cost me a sacrifice of time, but, but man, I believe, it. I believe that God's going to bless this. See, I don't, I don't think it was a coincidence that 
that Daniel was about to be elevated into this position of influence over the kingdom underneath the king. He was about to be elevated to number one instead of this top tier that he was already in. The the king intended him to put him over the others. That's why they were looking into his life. They didn't like that. And it's not a coincidence that that was about to happen because what was happening inside Daniel was going to eventually come out and be evident on the outside. We talked about this with Esther last week. Significance always precedes success. And and some people are in there chasing success in the world, but they're neglecting the internal significance with God. But if you'll you'll experience that significance with God and and align your priorities and put him first, first love, and, 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 and you'll live for God first, then you will see God bless what he wants to bless in your life and expand what he wants to expand. But if you don't pay now, you'll pay later. And some people get sucked into bad habits and they get into bad situations and they don't mean to. It's just a little drift and then all of a sudden they're stuck. There's a news article that caught my attention recently and it was interesting, a little bit humorous, but mostly sad. And there's a 37-year-old that was recently released from St. Lucie County Detention Facility in Fort Pierce, Florida. And he was held on grand theft uh, charges and he was, uh, you know, convicted of, you know, uh, stealing a vehicle, and they had released him, and uh, literally 15 minutes of being out of the prison, and he's in the parking lot waiting on his girlfriend. They got the whole thing on the surveillance camera. He starts walking through the parking lot. He's just waiting for his ride, and he starts pulling handles on the doors to see if he can find one that's open. He finds one that's open. He gets inside for two and a half minutes, and then he comes out, and he continues walking down the whole length of the parking lot, looking in the windows to see what he can see inside and lifting door handles. Officer, of course, comes out and confronts him. Hey, what's going on? I'm just waiting for my girlfriend. It's like, well, we've been watching you, and this is what we've seen. And so what he got, and he, he pulls a brown bag out. And in this brown bag, in his 15 minutes of freedom, he had, he had got an iPhone, four packs of cigarettes, a lighter, a Visa debit card, a Florida driver's license, and $547 in cash. He was arrested right there on charges of burglary, grand larceny, and possession of stolen property and taken back inside the jail that he was just released from 15 minutes ago. Man, doesn't that feel like our lives sometimes? Like we, get, we, we start to make progress. You know, we're seeing growth. We've made a new commitment. Here we go. And it's like freedom. Woo, I'm free. You know, we feel so good. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, 15 minutes into our new journey, man, the devil just pulls us right back. And, and we go back into these old patterns and it gets hard. And so we give up. And, and see, here's the thing. It, it's, it's very difficult to maintain a course, a faithful course in a direction, but, but it's, it's not only difficult to be faithful, it's very easy to be the opposite, to be unfaithful. And if you're not careful, if you get stuck in the wrong habits, they're very strong and you can get pulled back. They say that the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. In Genesis, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, God speaks to this and It tells us that that God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. 
And, and so, you know, we all love the harvest, don't we? We all, we all want the harvest. We all want, you know, things to go well. And, but, but what we learn from nature, from God's creation, is that if you plant corn in the ground, you're eventually going to get corn. Right? It's not going to be some flower. It's going to be corn. And if you plant a hibiscus in the ground, you're going to get a hibiscus, and you're going to have the flower. See, whatever you plant, is, whatever you sow is what you get. And, and, and God's saying, hey, listen, don't be deceived. Understand, God's not going to be mocked. What you, what you sow is what you eventually reap, right? And, and so when it comes to my character, what am I sowing now? Because I'm going to reap that later on. I can't get out of that. And so if I'm sowing all these bad patterns and all these bad habits and I'm neglecting all these things in my life, I'm going to eventually reap the result of that, which might be destruction. So I need to be very aware of what I'm planting in my life. God-honoring rhythms like investing daily time with Jesus and immersing myself in reading, understanding, and applying his word, that's going to result in the favor of blessing of God in my life. Another character that you can see this evident in, we talked about Daniel a little bit, but is uh, David. David, known as the great king of Israel, that preceded the greatest king, came out of Israel, which is Jesus. And David is a great man. He's known as man after God's own heart. And at one point, he he penned a, a certain prayer. He, we have a lot of his prayers in the word in, in the book of Psalms, and they're, they're so powerful. In fact, they could be a guide for you in prayer, and you can just pray through the scripture. It's a great thing to do. And in Psalm 55, verse 16, he writes this to God. He says, as for me, I, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. He says, evening, morning, and noon. I cried out in distress, and he hears my voice. So isn't that interesting? Three times a day. Just like Daniel over here, another great leader for God, saying three times a day, I kneel before God and I come into his presence. Now here we have David, who's a great man of God, saying, evening, morning, and noon. I'm crying out to the Lord three times a day. I'm coming before his presence. And that was symbolic of saying, like, all throughout my day, I'm immersing myself in the presence of God. And in their Jewish culture, they literally had a rhythm of doing that. And they would even come to temple. And they would, three times a day, they would have this practice of coming before the presence of God. And here, David, he's saying, this is a part of who I am. It's my character. It's a discipline. And spiritual consistency over time builds greatness. What you do is, is every day, you, you move a little bit closer to where you want to be. And it's just one day at a time. It's just one step. But, but that one step's eventually going to take you down a path that's going to lead toward your potential. In fact, it was Doug Fireber who said, every day, do something that will inch you closer to a better tomorrow. And, and, and that tomorrow for us as Christ followers is, is on fire for Jesus and living out his mission in the world and, and fulfilling who he wants us to be and having strong character. And so Daniel knew this and David knew this. And, and Daniel, even when it got hard, he, he said, I'm going to pray just as I had done before. I'm going to keep praying. Well, there's always a cost, but regardless of the cost, it's going to cost us to, to be consistent. Regardless of the cost, it's worth it. And if I ever want to fulfill the commitments I've made to God and the goals I have in my life spiritually or in other areas and relationships, if I ever want those things to be true, then, then I've got to pay the cost now. And I've got to pay it every day if I want to see the fruit of my life. In your notes, great character comes with great cost. It's going to cost you. Great character comes with great cost, but it offers great reward. It offers great rewards. So God has great reward for those who are faithful, but it's going to cost me to, to be faithful. And, and God planned to use Daniel all along. Daniel's praying here, maybe looking out in the city, just saying, God, use me. God was going to use him. 
And, and sometimes, even as, as Christians, we can have misplaced priorities without realizing it. We can have this desire inside of us to do things for God, and we can have a holy ambition for God. But when that ambition to do things for God exceeds our ambition for God himself to pursue him and to live for him, then when that priority gets out of place, then we're limiting what God can actually do through our life. Because think about this. Daniel had a great opportunity. The king was about to promote him. Think about this. From this top tier of leadership, he already had a lot of influence. He had a lot to lose now. He's about to promote him to number one, his, his right-hand guy over the whole kingdom. Daniel could have very easily that day when he walked from his bedroom door to his prayer spot, he could have very easily walked delicately with a lot on his mind thinking, well, man, if I do this and they see me, because he might have had an idea of what was going on. If they see me praying and the king has said, you can't pray, but I got to honor God first, so I need to pray. But if they see me praying, then God, wouldn't, wouldn't I lose an opportunity to minister for you? Wouldn't I lose influence for you if I lose my position? So God, I have a good reason. I, I'm, I'm putting this goal in my life, which is to influence. I've been praying, God, for years for these people. So God, I think I should put this goal first, even though I know it's important, but I'll just gotta pray over here, God. I, I, wanna, I wanna make a big difference for you. What if he had done that? Well, God would have never used him in the way that he did because look what happened. He, he honored God. He had to go through a valley. He went, got thrown in this lion's den, but then when he was brought out, what did the king do? See, Daniel didn't, Daniel didn't even have to do it. The king said, hey, everybody, honor the Lord of Daniel. His God is the real God. He's the God that saves. So, so God used him in a greater way to be the answer to the prayer that he had likely been praying, even though it wasn't the way he had imagined, because he was faith, faithful and put first love, put God first, God was able to use him exponentially. Here's my point. God has to be first. He has to be first love because there's things that God can do in your life that you can't do. My mentor PK said, you cannot do God's job and God won't do your job. And what he is saying is that there's things that only God can do in your life. So you, you put him first and know that you can try your best and you can be faithful, but there's certain things that you just can't move. There's certain mountains that without faith, without God, they can't be moved. But if you'll put God first, if you'll trust in him, if you'll honor him, then listen, God will do his job. But listen, he won't do your job. So you be faithful. What's my job? My job is to be faithful. Every day when I wake up, God, this is your day. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to honor you. I won't be perfect, but, but I'm going to live faithfully for you. And it's going to cost me. But there's great reward. There's great reward. Well, if I could look at one more passage today from the life of, of David. Uh, David was a great king, he was a great man of God, but he also had some great failure in his life. And maybe there's someone here today that's discouraged because you think, I don't know how God could use me because I've already had some huge failures. And Brandon, you don't know the middle of the mess that I'm in right now, a mess of my own making. And, and what I would encourage you with is, is say, look at the life of David. David had some significant sin in his life, but when he was confronted with it, he changed. He turned direction. Maybe this is your day. Maybe this is the catalyst for you going in a new direction. And you say, you know, I, I, I was living in failure. I was living in sin, but I decided I don't want to live that way. I want to I be faithful. And what I want you to know that, that God is faithful, and he's faithful to forgive you. And he's faithful to give you a fresh start when you need it. And so David, he had some failure in his life but it didn't exempt him from being used by God. But if you were to look back at how his unfaithfulness happened in his life, I think you'd learn one more really good lesson. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse one. 
It says in the spring at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed the, the Ammonites and, the, and they besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Story goes on, I'm not gonna read it all, but, but he ends up having an affair with Bathsheba, ends up having her husband executed out on the battlefield to try to cover up the fact that he got her pregnant. And this, this whole mess in his life, which led to other messes and the, the loss of the life of that child and all kinds of stuff and pain in his life because of that sin. Now, God forgave him when he came and he asked and he turned his life around. But, but here's what I want you to know. David... It says here a really important verse at the beginning of this. If you look at verse one, in the spring, at the time when the kings go off to war, David sent Joab. He sent someone else. And it says here at the end of the verse uh, one, David remained in Jerusalem. So at the, it's spring when the kings go off to war. What was that all about? So in the springtime, the kings would usually take their armies and they would go out and they would conquer. Or they would put down uh, uprisings and things like this, and they would do it in the spring for three reasons. One, because in the spring, when it was not the rainy season, it was better weather, when it wasn't in the winter season, uh, they could more easily take their, their troops and they could camp out. Also, because when there wasn't as, as much rain, in some cases snowfall in that season, uh, they, their chariots that they would take out to be more effective wouldn't get stuck in the mud, so they could take heavier artillery with them when they would travel. Another reason, this is the time of the wheat and the barley harvest, so they could eat off the land as they traveled and as they conquered. So, so David, in the time of springs, when kings would typically take their armies and go out, instead of going out and fulfilling his role as a leader in that kingdom and leading the army, instead of doing that, he sent somebody else and he stayed home. Boredom and restlessness have got a lot of people into trouble, and he's there in his palace, and well, what do kings do when the army's out conquering? He's up, on the, he's up on the roof deck of the palace looking out over his kingdom, and he spots this beautiful woman, and that leads to an adultery and affair and all this kind of stuff and a mess in his life. And, and, and here's my point. David did not show up when and where he was supposed to show up. So he got caught up in a sin and he got caught up in a hang up that led to a big mess up in his life. And it all started because he didn't show up. My roommate in college, he uh, had a dad who owned a hotel over on uh, the Pacific Ocean. He had a lifeguard who would never show up for training. He would, he would never show up and be responsible. And this, this lifeguard had an important job there on the Pacific to watch out for the lives of people in the water. So the even though he was a very loved guy, and in fact, all the other coworkers and lifeguards, they loved this lifeguard. He was relational and everybody loved him, but, but he was not showing up when he needed to show up, and so he fired him. He went down the street and got a job at another beachside hotel there in the Pacific, and things went on like normal. But months, years later, it went by. Uh, there was a, a big storm that had come up on the Pacific, and this lifeguard that he had fired, this one that was lazy and never showed up, he was on duty when this storm hit. And as my roommate told me this story, he's like, literally, there was a child out in the, in the surf drowning, and his job was to go save this kid. And like he would normally do, he tried to go out there and save this kid, but because the surf was so big, he could not get through because he was not in shape, because he hadn't shown up when he was supposed to. He hadn't been training. He could not get through the waves. He turned back, and that child died. It made the front page of the paper. He said, my dad took the newspaper and he brought it into the break room full of the employees that he wasn't popular with when he fired this guy and he just set it down right there in front of everybody on the table. Didn't say anything, just set it down and left it there. Words spoke much louder than anything he could have said. See, this guy didn't show up. 
And because he didn't show up, because he didn't train up, then he had to give up when it got tough. And, and, and you will not be able to push through the storms. We're talking about the adversity when you don't feel like it, when temptation comes, when it gets hard. If, if you don't show up every day, if you don't show up in the Lord's presence, if you don't train, if you don't develop that character, it's in your notes. If I don't show up, I'm not going to grow up. If I don't show up, I'm not going to grow up. See, I'll grow up when I make a commitment, but then I show up every day to follow through on that commitment. When I'm faithful, as we always say, faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. So if I'll take my faith and I'll become faithful on a daily basis, then listen, if I'll be faithful, then I can fulfill all that God wants to do in my life. But I have, I have to be faithful every day if I want to fulfill the potential that God's put in my life. We challenged our church uh, going into this year to be a part of the Under 7 Club. And what's that? And, and many of you know this now. I've been hearing you talk about it. It's so cool. We, we say we want to challenge you to miss less than seven Sundays out of the 52 Sundays this year. Because we know that you're going to get sick sometimes. And we know you're going to need to go on vacation and visit family or whatever it is. But, but, but be here. Uh, miss no more than seven times. Miss less than seven times all year long and keep track of it. Make it a goal. And some people are doing that and they'll tell you stories about how God's growing them. What if you made a goal in your spiritual life and said, every day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet with God and I'm going to try to get a 50-day streak going or 100 days. When, when I was a young man, I was in high school, I made a goal that, that I wanted to read the Bible every single day for a year. And, and it took me years before I could accomplish that goal. I would try and I'd get months down the road and then I'd miss a day and fall asleep or whatever and I, and I wouldn't make it. But I eventually fulfilled that goal. It seemed like a mountain that wouldn't move. Years, I'm working on this thing. I'm gonna read the Bible every single day. 365, I'm gonna get my street going. And it took me years to do it. Now, I'm just, just telling you that where I'm at in my life, I, I think, as far as I can tell and remember, it's been years, like years, since I've missed a day of reading God's word. Here's my point. What seemed like an impossibility now, or back then, now seems like an easy thing. And I have other higher goals that I'm working on. And my, my point is this. What you're looking at right now and you're saying, this is impossible. I can't do it. I always fail. I try to get ahead. I get pulled back. If you'll just be faithful and you'll keep running at that and praying about it and saying, God, I'm going to be faithful. What God will do over time is that, that your attempts to be faithful daily, he will use that to allow you to fulfill not only what you're praying about, but he will do immeasurably more in your life than what you can even imagine. See, my, one of my friends, Jason Berry, who taught at our church when we were back in the high school, he said, he said what you do in your downtime will determine your destiny. And I, I wrote that down, and that stayed with me. I was like, I, I'm not going to forget that. What I do in my downtime is going to determine my destiny. And so I, I want to make the most of the time that God's given me. What are you sowing right now in your free time? What are you doing when no one but God is looking? What are you working on, developing, practicing? What is it that God wants to do more in your life, the immeasurably more that he's being held up by because you have faith, you believe, but you're not being faithful? I'm telling you what I want to do. I want to be more faithful. I want to be faithful and consistent. I know I won't get it right. That's okay because look at David. David failed, but he turned back to God. And maybe you feel like you're in the middle of a mess because you failed. God will forgive you and he can even take your mess. And he can even use it for a message like David's mess. He'll turn it around and he'll use it for his glory if you'll be faithful. And listen, no matter how far away you've walked from God, it's always one step home. And he will always say when you come to him gen genuinely, welcome home. Because no matter how much I'm unfaithful, that will never change the fact that God is always faithful. Right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. 
You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today. Jesus. Oh. 